six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. We have commit and we have liftoff at 213. And it has cleared the tower. Prepare yourself for a world of seriousness. What is going on, everybody? Good morning. It is the Science Nights in the Morning Saturday, and we are all assembled. Dr. Sean Graham, Dr. Anurban Bhattacharjee, and Dr. Thomas Schiller here. We have a very interesting episode for you today. Going to be talking about things that go boom. No, I'm not talking about last week's episode about the atom bomb. I'm talking about... The volcano, the most natural boom in the world. And uh, we have uh, a lot of questions. Uh, there's a lot of answers on this show, I would assume. Hopefully. But there has been a lot of uh, items in the news lately. Yeah, a couple Sean, of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago. You want to update us, Sean? Yeah, actually, um, it's funny. We were, we were, I was trying to remember where I heard this, and it wasn't even a couple of weeks ago. It was two days ago, <laughs> which I guess when this airs, it will be two weeks ago. Now I see what you guys were doing. Um, the, uh, in the St. Vincent in the Caribbean, um, there's been an eruption, uh, 12 April, 2021, it began La Soufier. I don't know how to pronounce that. I don't know my French pronunciation, but the La Soufier volcano erupted in the Caribbean. It's enforcing evacuations. Some, some official said that it was like they got caught with their pants down. <laughs> it's a terrible position to be in. Yeah. And so uh, they're evacuating people. They're scared. And, you know, this this volcano ain't nothing. Last time it erupted, a major eruption, 1902, killed 1,600 people. So uh, it's not something to joke around about. No. So what's I the guess. name again? Um, you're going to make me try to pronounce this yeah, again? Yeah, one more time. Yeah. La Soufrier is my okay. best. Um, Sounds like uh, Guy Fieri's uh, second cousin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. But the island is St. Vincent, and that's down in the Caribbean, like uh, between Martinique and Trinidad out near uh, Barbados in the Lesser Antilles. And so you guys got nothing to worry about. You can just relax. It'll be fine. Yeah. But if you're if you're sitting out on the beach with a fruity drink, you might you might uh, want to. Or as there. that person said with their pants down, right? Yeah. Yeah. You definitely yeah. don't want to be that person. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be that person. Well, uh, there have been a lot of catastrophic events happen uh, in our past, thanks to the volcano. Uh, one, we're we're gonna kind of touch on all of them: Mount St. Helens, uh, Krakatoa, maybe, hopefully, yeah, and um, some more famous events. But uh, you but know, we need to figure out how volcanoes work, right? How does be... volcanism actually work? I know Dipiers. Yeah, that's one way. Yeah. What is diapers? What are Di diapers? Diapers? Are the diapers? They're not diapers. Okay. Uh, although they can be just as as deadly. Um, okay. Diapers are are just bodies of hot rock or magma that are making their way up to the to okay. the crust, and they form this kind of plume shape, basically. So, yeah the the question how do volcanoes happen is kind of a, a complex one to answer. It's not just you know, they go boom and. So and so can we say that the Earth is constantly changing? Well, we're, yeah. we're constantly in a transitory state. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? and that, that's the reason we, we have volcanoes and earthquakes and things like that is because we have the, the big tectonic plates that are always shifting around on the surface of the Earth. And where they interact with each other, 
they cause geologic events like mm-hmm. earthquakes and volcanoes. Right. Um, in the case of the, the Caribbean, the volcanoes that occur there are because of what we call a, a, a convergent plate boundary, where two tectonic plates are converging, where they're coming together, and one of them is sinking or subducting beneath the other. Mm-hmm. In the case of the Caribbean, you have the Caribbean plate that is uh, being subducted by the Atlantic plate. So um, if you can imagine this kind of on a broader scale, you have two big bodies of, of rock, two tectonic plates. Um, this can happen between two bodies of oceanic crust, oceanic rock, two bodies of continental crust, or a body of continental and oceanic crust. Mm. In the case of the Caribbean, it's two bodies of oceanic crust that are coming together. Yeah. On a, on a larger scale, the way I think about it is um, a teenager's face. Because <laughs> that, that has a lot of different things going on. <laughs> you know, they're changing, they're moving around, and they get these zits, right? Yeah. Is that kind of the same? No. Oh, man. Off. <laughs> Only really worked on yeah, that one. Yeah, you're really <laughs> working on that. No, so it's, it's unless, unless there's something going on with puberty that I'm not aware of, uh, it, it's, it's not, not all that similar. Yeah. Um, although it can be as angry and violent as a, as a pubescent teenager, I guess. So you have the molten magma, right? And that wants to come up, basically, yeah, right? Yeah, heat, heat rises. It's, it's, it's basic physics. Like, heat uh, rises, cold sinks. And the places where the crust is uh, kind of thin, it comes out. It, you could, and the, what I'm trying to say is uh, you could have basically two ways of this thing coming out. One you will have like cracks in the crust in itself and it's like over a big period, a big, mm-hmm. big area, bigger area and comes out, oozes out basically. Yeah. Right. And that's what happened. Like uh, the may, and we talked about this in one of our episodes is happened in the Indian subcontinent for the mm-hmm. Deccan plateaus. Right. Yeah. Way back. Yeah. Back in six, the Cretaceous. Six, yeah. And then you have these kind of volcanoes where it's basically a mountain on a kind of like a structure uh, on, a, on a place where the crust is thin mm-hmm. and you have cracks and you have this pressure kind of being concentrated in that small uh, kind of space mm-hmm. and it shoots out, yeah. right? And that's where like, it becomes kind yeah. of spectacular. Yeah, so, so I guess it's good to start out by defining what a volcano is. Yeah. Um, a volcano isn't necessarily a mountain. It's kind of what you described first, Anurban. It could be just a fissure, could be an opening. Mm-hmm. But it's basically an opening in the earth through which volcanic material erupts. That could be lava, molten rock. That could be fragmental stuff, pyroclasts, pieces of rock that are ejected out of the vent of a volcano. Um, so we have many, many different types of volcanoes. And I was going to say on that, I mean, you, if you have it inside the ocean, right, deep underneath the ocean, mm-hmm. it's hydrothermal vents. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, essentially, yeah. yeah. But in you know the the main site of volcanism that we find in in the deep ocean are at mid ocean ridges, mm. um, and those are right smack dab in the middle of the ocean oceanic crust, okay. and you have points of weakness. You have cracks through which lava is being forced, and it's actually driving in part plate tectonics. It's forcing mm. the plates away from each other as it's being pushed up but, through through the crust. And the same reason is basically what is happening in Yellowstone National Parks too. That's, like, and <clears> that's <throat> why they're so afraid because the entire area is kind of thin and mm-hmm. uh, it can yeah. erupt. That's, and that's a different story. And yeah. that's what makes it so complex is the different ways that volcanoes form. Um, 
the most common way, and like what we see in the Caribbean today, is where you have one of these convergent plate boundaries, where one of the plates is sinking beneath the other. Um, in the case of, of the Caribbean, and in places like Indonesia, where you have these long chains of volcanic islands, we call them volcanic island arcs, the plate that's sinking is basically pushed down to a great enough depth within the earth, heat increases as you go deeper mm -hmm. within the earth, that those once solid rocks, at least in part, can start melting. So they're driven down beneath the crust, and they reach a point where they can start melting, and they form magma. And directly above that point, that magma will sometimes reach the surface, and it generates, in the case of an island arc, a long strip or an arc of volcanoes. Um, the same thing or a similar thing happened um, here in West Texas, you know, 40-something million years ago. We had the Farallon Plate, which is now broken down into several little plates that are still being forced beneath North America. And the Farallon Plate was subducting, it was sinking at such a, a gentle angle that it reached all the way out here to West Texas before it got to the depth at which it would start melting and generating magma. So that's why scientists think we had so many volcanoes out here during that time. Mm. It's the same, the same principle. So um, what's going on now in North America is we have the Cascade Range and the Aleutian Islands up in the northern part, northwestern part of the country, where these remnants of what was once the Farallon Plate are still sinking beneath North America, and they're generating volcanoes directly above where they're melting deep beneath the surface. So like St. Helens, for example, um, Mount uh, uh, Rainier, for example, and all the, all the volcanoes that make up the Aleutian Island chain are all forming this, this similar fashion. Mm -hmm. um, so it can happen like that. Um, another type of plate boundary that can generate volcanoes is a divergent plate boundary where instead of colliding, you have plates that are moving away from each other, basically opening up. And what that does is it opens up big cracks in the crust. This can happen in the ocean or it can happen um, in the continent. And those cracks form points of weakness through which magma can force its way up and generate volcanoes. This is what we see like in the East African Rift, the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden. Um, there's volcanoes around there and they're formed from a plate boundary. Mm -hmm. uh, so what would be more important for a volcano to form? The, the weakness of the geology in the particular location or the amount of friction that is happening in that particular location? It's, it's not necessarily about friction. Um, there are a lot of components that go into to whether or not a volcano will form and what type of volcano it will be. Mm -hmm. um, temperature is a big one. Um, and the composition of the rock. So certain minerals um, take higher temperatures to melt, to destabilize. So you can heat up like iron-bearing minerals um, up to a really, really high temperature and they still won't melt. Um, or you can get a mineral like quartz or mica and they take relatively low temperatures to melt. So it all depends on the composition of the rock, um, mm. you know, first off. And let's, then let's use a uh, Miter Peak, okay, as an example. Mm -hmm. So that was or was not a volcano. That was a volcano. Yeah. That was a volcano. Mm -hmm. Okay, can you explain? Can you expand on how that formed? 
Well, it's uh, this goes back to to you know the Transpecos Magmatic Province where what I was talking about where the Farallon Plate was subducted. Okay, all so right. that was all so a part of that. Part of all that. Yeah, the you know all the way out to the to the the Shinati Mountains and even further west of there into Mexico, all the way out here to the Davis Mountains to Alpine. Um, that was all driven by the same process, at mm. least we think. Um, so uh, I was going to then talk about this thing. So we do know that uh, that the what is it called the, in going totally to my country, the Indian subcontinent, right? You will have the plates pushing in there also, right? Mm-hmm. But why don't we see many volcanoes there? But we see earthquakes a lot in that ridge, yeah. ridge area, but we don't see right any kind of volcanic no. activity and that's because the the plate boundary you have there in northern india where india is colliding with with europe mm-hmm. is a continent to continent convergent boundary okay so in the case of of that boundary you have two big thick bodies of continental crust and neither one of them wants to sink or mm. subduct beneath the other one so what they do is they just basically drive into each other and force up mountains okay you know the highest mountains we have on Earth today. That, yeah in that yeah area. so that's why you get earthquakes yeah but you don't get volcanoes uh, okay now that was a different story you know yeah like 60, 60 65 million, million years, years ago, ago when the deck end traps were erupted. yeah and then you had that's a <clears throat> that's when volcanism happened i mean mm-hmm. we didn't i don't think we had volcanism in the indian subcontinent after that pretty much no. period yeah no and that was a huge amount of volcanism too. yeah and the, we could probably talk I mean, we probably have you yeah know, we've think, done like a yeah. hundred episodes now we've probably talked about the deck end traps yeah. before yeah but um yeah so so that's another way that you can generate volcanoes um Another volcano that a lot of people, especially in North America, are familiar with is Yellowstone. Hmm. I think y'all have already mentioned Yellowstone, but um, that's a special case where you don't have a volcano uh, forming um, adjacent to a plate boundary or related to a plate boundary. It's just an isolated volcano within the interior of the plate. And what that's caused by is by what's called a mantle plume where you have this body of, of hot rock that's forcing its way up through the mantle up to the base of the crust, and it stays there, and it starts melting the base of the crust and generating magma, which ultimately can erupt as lava. And mm. the name, or the specific term we have for, for, like, Yellowstone is what we call a hot spot. It's a hot spot over a mantle plume. So the position of the Yellowstone hot spot has changed over the past... 16 million years but that mantle plume hasn't changed its position it's another point of evidence that we have for plate tectonics for the plates moving over time so it's just an isolated body of 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 magma that occasionally causes volcanism to happen in the case of yellowstone some really massive super eruptions Um, yeah and and so it happens all at once then it's not like something that we could, like, when you think about M- Mount St. Helens or Krakatoa mm-hmm. or, or even Pompeii, right? If yep. you want to go back that far. Um, these, you know, these volcanoes took everybody by surprise. Yep. And yep. so would uh, Yellowstone take us all by surprise, too? Um, could it happen to, instantly? It could, but when when it comes to Yellowstone, it is constantly being monitored. Mm-hmm. Um, there are seismic stations all over that region. Um, and there are scientists who are constantly watching for significant what we call earthquake clusters. 
And it uh, should be said that the the St. Helens eruption didn't take anybody by surprise. No. And that was in, in 1980. Geologists knew that thing was going to go, and they warned everybody, and they got everybody out. Everybody who could be warned was evacuated. Yeah. I mean, it One was. One of the greatest success stories of, of the USGS mm-hmm. and other, other geologists of, of the U.S. that we totally called that one. And, you know, a few people died in it, a couple of geologists, and then a bunch of people who refused to leave. Yeah, right. Right. I ain't going to leave that thing. I, I lived here my whole life. You know, <laughs> does that sound familiar? I ain't wearing no mask. Them scientists are trying to get my rights, take my rights away. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, and now and now their uh, carcasses are in the museum for everybody to see, geez. or at least models. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, like, <laughs> bring it back is uh, that uh, when you have uh, the geologic activity increases, right? The, what I think people uh, think get frustrated, they cannot predict exactly at what uh, minute it's going to explode or like what hour it's going to. I don't no. think that's a frustration with people, but they also, what we don't get, uh, this is a random thing. This is a it. It can happen today. It can happen tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and it might not happen, but then the geologic activity will slow down. Yeah. So yeah. then people will tell you things have slowed down. You can come back. Yeah. In in the case of of Yellowstone, it would take it would take quite a while for things to to go back to normal. But I think um, the current estimate is with with the technology we have and the and the monitoring systems we have. I think it would be like two or three weeks in advance that we'd know if Yellowstone yeah, was Yeah, that's blow. like a normal. Like you yeah, could, people would have to evacuate a huge radius around the Yellowstone yeah. caldera. But that'd still be so chaotic. Yeah, that's the yeah, kind even of if they gave, Yellowstone, but, but, Yellowstone caldera. It's like uh, <laughs> the, part, uh, the, the area that needs to be evacuated uh, is impossible. Like the effects would be so big. Mm-hmm. That's what's that's what's concerning about that. Yeah, one. and mm-hmm. and we know that by looking at ancient at ancient yeah. eruptions related to it. The most recent eruption uh, basically left a blanket of ash across the the across North America, and the edge of that that ash deposit is like maybe 150 miles north of here, Alpine. Oh wow. So <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, and so, there's areas er, previous Yellowstone, not not actually, but when the hot spot was farther west, like over in Idaho, those eruptions buried, uh, you know, some um, you know mammals, some prehistoric mammals, like uh, under twelve feet of ash. Yeah, it was like Pompeii on steroids. Yeah, it would be it would be catastrophic. Yeah, it would it would totally it would. But also to just to end it all before we go to doom. Just because the geologic activity is, it can increase in Yellowstone, it doesn't mean it's going to explode. It can just increase a little bit again, slow down. Mm-hmm. So you can do that. It, it, yeah. There is a certain things we sure, yeah, yeah and we can yeah. we can talk about that yeah, when we yeah. come back from the break. Yeah, and also uh, when we come back from the break, I'd like to uh, talk about more uh, legendary or, or, or volcanoes that inspire myth mm-hmm. and uh, the realism. I mean, the 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 real stories that happen. Yeah, you know, we can do that in that occurrence. Okay. We'll see you after the break. All right, everybody. We are back with the Science Nights. And before the break, we're talking about uh, really how volcanoes work, and but also some of the legendary volcanoes mm-hmm. and and how they kind of crafted our myth and actually elevated our awareness and concern of volcanoes that might happen in the future, mm-hmm. right? 
Yeah, and, and this kind of brings up a topic before we get into the into the historic eruptions and all that. Um, one thing that, that I always teach in my intro geology classes is people have this, this conception of volcanoes as all being these big mountains that erupt, they explode and, you know, spill out all this ash and lava. Um, but in reality, um, there are a huge variety of, of volcanoes and types of volcanoes. They aren't all like these mythic explosive eruptions. Um, for example, the, 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 like Mauna Loa in Hawaii. Um, if you live near Mauna Loa in Hawaii, you're not going to be in constant fear that it's going to explode and you're going to be buried in ash. The reason is, is because it's a, a different type of volcano. It's what's called a shield volcano. Um, and uh, you asked earlier, Conley, about what kind of contributes to how volcanoes form and what type of volcanoes form. Um, another component to that is the composition of the lava itself. Not all lavas are made the same. Um, the lavas that form big explosive eruptions are more viscous. Mm -hmm. You know, viscosity is basically the uh, resistance to flow, a fluid's resistance to flow. So uh, big eruptions like St. Helens, like Krakatoa, those are lavas that are really, really sticky. They're really viscous. Mm -hmm. Kind of like uh, if you pour out a thing of Gorilla Glue, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah gorilla, just real yeah. thick and real just like... Yeah, kinda... high viscosity. Yeah. Um, because they can build up more gas, more <laughs> eruptive potential. But like Mauna Loa, those lavas are really low viscosity lavas because uh, the rock that's being melted to form those lavas is basalt. It's that black rock that makes up the Hawaiian Islands and floors the entire oceanic crust. Mm. Um, and when it melts, it usually has very low viscosity. So instead of exploding, erupting out of a vent, it just kind of, you know, bubbles, bubbles, bubbles out, up. flows out. And the people who live there aren't running for their lives because it's just moving slowly. These are the... also volcanoes. That's what I wanted. Yeah, these, these are, are volcanoes. volcanoes. So it's not always what Hollywood shows, things happening instantaneously, catch, catching us unaware, those things. So we yeah. have, these are volcanoes. Mm -hmm. That's what and, I wanted to Yeah, and, and they're closely monitored too because yeah. there are a lot of people who live on the big island and there are scientists who monitor them. There are some volcanologists yeah. who will put on heat resistant suits and walk up to the damn vent of the volcano and dip out the samples of lava from the vent of the volcano. Measure wow. the temperatures and all those kind of measure. Yeah, people will do that. Yeah. What's the shovel made out of? S something that's, that's... Titanium? <laughs> Titanium. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, wow. Or tungsten, cool. I assume. Yeah. That was a high temperature. Or it's a, it's yeah. a... So what are geysers? Geysers are, they're, they're not volcanoes, but they're, they're vents that hydrothermal okay, water vents. will, will okay. erupt from. And they're, they're usually related to volcanoes. So like, yeah, you're talking about viscosity, and geysers like as viscous as you can... Yeah, but it's, you know? it's, that's another component is the amount of gas involved. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. even if you have a lower viscosity lava, or in the case of geysers, if you have really low viscosity water, sure. if you build up enough pressure from, from gas, in the case of geysers, it's water vapor and stuff like that, that can generate enough energy so that it erupts. Hmm. Um, so Yellowstone is covered in geysers because that body of, of magma beneath the surface is heating groundwater and forcing it up it up through all these cracks. Um, the same thing in uh, with like the, the hot springs in Big Bend. It's just happening much deeper 
and the water's cooling off a lot more when it gets to the surface. I see. It has uh, further to travel, I yeah, guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's why, like, Old Faithful is there at Yellowstone, because it's being heated by that magma chamber. Wow. And this is something, if, if, you, if you keep your eye on the news, and whenever Yellowstone comes up on the news, it's always, you know, the same kind of sensationalized media thing where, oh, there have been all these earthquakes in and around Yellowstone, and the geysers are more active. Um, and that's totally normal. And it's, again, it's something the scientists Wait, you're are, telling us the media is embellishing something? I know. It's hard to believe. Oh, my goodness. But, hmm. yeah, we would never do that on the Science Nights. Never. No. Uh, but, um, yeah, so so scientists are monitoring, monitoring these, these, uh, these earthquake clusters, and they happen pretty regularly. But they're not large magnitude earthquakes. They're like like one on a magnitude scale or something. But they just mm. happen in really rapid succession because some water is, is shifting around. There's, there's hydrothermal water that's forcing its way through the cracks. Um, it's not because Yellowstone is going to blow anytime soon. Um, another thing they monitor is, is the actual the topography because, um, like we saw with St. Helens, one of, the, one of the reasons we knew that St. Helens was going to erupt is because when that when that lava or that magma as it is um, starts to, to to accumulate beneath the vent of the volcano, it will deform the the land surface. Hmm. In the case of Yellowstone, you have this enormous caldera, um, and scientists have have GIS or GPS stations all over the the surface of Yellowstone and the surrounding area. And they can monitor the position of those stations to, to such a finite degree that they can tell when the ground's kind of swelling up a little bit. Hmm. So two or three weeks before the thing's going to blow, they're going to notice that the ground is, is, is swelling up, that it's doming up. Hmm. And it's going to keep doing that. And that's when, uh-huh. the, when you're going to get the notice, okay, you've got two weeks to get down to, to Chihuahua or something. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And uh, the thing is, like, like, I know, right, this is amazing, right? Why would... But real quick, um, our listeners might be going, you know what? These guys are totally full of it. They're too much, they're too much scientists um, because they're not. What about these ones that do catch people with their pants down? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, what was it? Last year, two years ago, tourists on an on a, uh, island uh, off of Auckland in New Zealand, a place where there's plenty of scientists. I'm sure they're keeping track of their volcanoes. That thing exploded, killed a dozen tourists without anybody yeah. knowing what was going to happen. And then this one in the Caribbean, you know, they can surprise us. Yeah. And that's that's part of their, uh, you know, that's why we study them, of course. And it's also part of their mystique. Yeah. Yeah. Something like, like those volcanoes that are really active, something like a, a, a pretty good size earthquake, um, in the, in the case of in the case of St. Helens, it was a, it was an earthquake that set off a landslide, which was a rapid event, an unexpected event. Um, so it it can catch people by surprise. Uh, the real dangerous region is is like Indonesia, where they don't have these these monitoring or at least these widespread monitoring uh, protocols, um, and they can really devastate places because there are some highly populated islands in Indonesia. And like like Anak Krakatau, the son of Krakatoa, mm-hmm. is super active. And if it if it gets to the size of Krakatoa, its 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 father volcano, 
It um, could kill a lot of people. I mean, here's something. I mean, also those places, islands are super densely populated. Mm-hmm. So evacuation might not even be possible. No. Even, let's say you get a week's time. Can you really evacuate so many people from different islands no, there? No, it would be chaos. Yeah. Like, like Sean described it. And uh, another thing we learned from Krakatoa specifically is even if you're able to get off the island, uh, pyroclastic flows, one of the, the, the more dangerous... Um, eruptive results of a volcano can travel over water mm-hmm. and they can travel uphill too so mm. um, getting to high ground getting out in the water isn't necessarily going to get you out of harm's way i mean that will immediately trigger off a tsunami right there and then because yeah, a big eruption can trigger a tsunami, tsunami too. so and earthquakes can trigger tsunamis too but volcano explosion can trigger that mm-hmm. and then you have is if you have something a little bit like more explosive than Krakatoa, which in itself, in the history of volcanism, I would think it's not very rare. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm going to, we should talk about the historical volcanoes, right? And I was going to say, uh, Krakatoa in itself, and we have talked about this, brought about very near extinction level events because you got snow in places which never got snow in their mm-hmm. entire life. Food productions and fami- uh, famines were all over the world after that. So just having, as I have kept on saying, if you have like five or six Krakatoa back to back to back in different yeah, places. Yeah, it would be bad news. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was the year without a summer is what they mm-hmm. call it. Um, and you have that famous painting uh, in Norway where the it was painted with the uh, sun up in the sky, but the sun is red completely yeah. in Norway because that's that's Krakatoa's influence. Yeah, and yeah. that 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 um, all resulted from the the ash, ash, yeah, the pyroclastic material that was erupted um, up into the atmosphere, and that ash traveled so far and blotted out the sun in so many regions that it it devastated crops. It you know it's ash is basically tiny little pieces mm. of glass. Um, so if it gets into your respiratory system, it can mess you up like that. Um, it'll destroy mechanical equipment, electronics. So uh, even uh, a single event like Krakatoa could be could have really mm-hmm. widespread in, results. Yeah. Um, and it did, the last yeah. major eruption it had. And, uh, you know, talking about historical eruptions, the reason we talk about Krakatoa so much is not, not just because it was such a violent um, uh, eruption, but... It's one of the best and earliest firsthand accounts of an eruption that we have, a, a big eruption like that. And it was well studied because you had telegraph by that time set up and we were kind of like you had electricity and things like mm-hmm. that at that point. So it, yeah. that's one So thing, our, yeah. our understanding of volcanic eruptions really jumped forward by observing and observing the, the results of the Krakatoa eruption. Um, and it's it's not it's not finished. You know, Krakatoa basically blew apart uh, um, Sumatra and Java, mm-hmm. separated them into two separate land masses, and uh, shortly thereafter, right in the, in the middle of that that crater, that caldera that it generated, a tiny little a tiny little volcano popped up, <laughs> and it's not so tiny anymore. <laughs> and <laughs> that's the 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 Anak Krakatau, the son of of Krakatoa. Wow. And it's it's a very very present danger to the mm-hmm. to the people of of Indonesia. But oh wow, do they sacrifice to it? No, no. The um at, at least not that I'm aware being of. Facetious, but well, very you know, it's uh, well. The, you know, in Hawaii they did they did not human sacrifices, but they would sacrifice corn and stuff to volcanoes. It's it's not huh. uncommon, but interesting. Uh, um, 
another another interesting piece of history, if you look this up, um, there um, are accounts by native uh, peoples. I, I'm trying to remember what this one account's called. Like the, it's called like the chieftain's account or something. Um, but it's a written recorded account of, of a, a native person who's describing the eruption of Krakatoa. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's written in a lay person's understanding, but it's really descriptive. You know, it describes fire erupting from the, from the top of the mountain and describes the pyroclastic flow and ash, um, all kind of in simple terms. But it's a really useful piece of, of history because it's a very, very, very early account of one of the eruptions of Krakatoa. Wow. Um, I wish I could remember what it's called. I use it in one of my classes, but um, maybe we can post it on the. I Facebook. mean, talking about history, then we can go to the caldera in the Mediterranean Sea, right? Mm-hmm. The Santorini Island and all those area, right? Yeah. And where you have the Pompeii and the Vesuvius expo- explosion, yeah. they're all related to that caldera, right? If I'm not. It's 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 all related to what's called the Mediterranean Belt. Okay. So the. Most of the volcanoes that occur on, on Earth occur around what's called the Circumpacific Belt or the, the Ring of Fire, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, who knew that Johnny Cash was a volcano uh, expert? expert. Yeah. Um, but in the case of the Mediterranean, you have this isolated region that's affected by, by volcanoes. It's called the Mediterranean Belt. And a lot of people are familiar with those because of their historical significance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, because that's where we had them. I mean, if not just that, and it goes all the way to Red Sea area kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. The, but so, the the earliest the earliest account of a major volcanic eruption is Vesuvius. Vesuvius, yes. Um, that took out Pompeii and Herculaneum in the mm-hmm. Mediterranean. Um, so those are the earliest accounts we have, and um, that's kind of the. And and Conley, I know you were interested in talking about this. The the real historical, um, the folklore, yeah, related the legends. to the legends. What took out Atlantis? Right? Yeah, so that all goes back to the Mediterranean volcanoes. Hmm. And here's here's the cool thing. You know, the the we have this ancient pantheon of Roman and Greek gods. Well, let's break oh. down. Let's break down the two major terms that we use when talking about about. Um, igneous rocks right we have volcanic rocks mm-hmm. that form from volcanoes we have plutonic rocks which we talked about a couple of weeks ago Pluto. forming intrusions yeah so we've got vulcan the yep, god of fire and pluto the god of the under- underworld mm. so there's a very clear connection between yeah. the pantheon of of greek and roman gods and volcanic eruptions, right? If you mm-hmm. see a friggin' mountain exploding and erupting lava and ash, and you don't know why it's happening, mm. where did they go? They went to to, to their underworld their God. and fire. Yeah, yeah. And those are the roots of our modern pantheon of of gods, our modern our modern religions. So, mm-hmm. it it might have all originated from from that, from volcanoes. These unbelievable natural occurrences that that people couldn't explain yeah and, and this, at random times yeah at random times so um i mean i was going to say it's not just that you would also have uh, the explosion on crete and the where the minion civilization if i'm not minoan yeah. civilization yeah minoan uh-huh. yeah, uh, they got wiped out because of those stuff mm-hmm. and then well, one of the things they were talking about and uh so one of the explosions on the um I don't know which mountain is there exploded. And uh, they say um, that's what um, 
what happened you have the volcanic activity that gets the ash out and everything mm-hmm. right and that's what uh, is in the um, the parting of the red seas before the parting of the red seas mm-hmm. he gives uh, moses brings on like some plague in egypt right yeah. and this um, and stuff so that if your ash comes in then you kind of wiped out the entire yeah. thing and then the volcanic they say what happens is as moses was going and it turns out very interestingly well, when uh, the when we say the parting of the Red Sea, so but if you do the actual Hebrew translation, it is parting uh, of the Sea of Reeds. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a swampy thing they're talking about. Yeah. They're not really talking about uh, like a Red Sea. So it's they, uh, there in that Hebrew translations, and that is well known. It's not a, like a, I am doing something controversial here. Yeah. It's it's actual literal translation. Yeah, the, the translation. Yeah. Uh, so what happens is they're saying then after the volcano happens, some kind of uh, like an earthquake or a tsunami happens, and that kind of part kind of creates uh, like a rifts and stuff like that, and that, and they create this pathway. Yeah, yeah. And then it gets blocked out later on. Yeah, that's so, something I've never yeah. I've never heard about. But um, the the Red Sea truly at one point was parted by by yeah. geologic forces. Yeah. Um, and that's a it's a divergent plate boundary. It's what we call a rift basin. If you look at a map of of East Africa, you have the Red Sea, which branches branches off kind of to the north northwest, and then you have the Gulf of Aden that branches off almost mm-hmm. like forty five degrees from that. And then you have Persian Gulf on the other side, kind of thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have these two open bodies of water that formed from rifts from the continent pulling apart. And this is kind of a common geometry that we see in these kind of rifts where you have um, three separate big um, uh, rift basins, or actually two rift basins form, and one failed arm of that rift that we call an allocogen. Um, but in any case, when you take the, the brittle, rigid crust and you start pulling it apart, it's going to fracture and it's going to fault. Mm-hmm. And that forms points of weakness that magma can come up and form volcanoes. So that's why there are volcanoes there. So um, yeah, the, those 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 biblical stories could be related to geologic to activity. active geologic you know yeah. uh, processes. Oh wow! How do you explain the golems? All right. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to uh, go to a quick commercial break, and uh, afterwards we're going to kind of wrap up the uh, whole volcano story in talking about uh, what we expect and how the process of actually learning from the past in order to predict the future. How's that? All right. Sounds good. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, everybody. We are back with the Science Nights in the morning. We have been talking about the history of volcanism, uh, how it works, but now we're going to talk about not only the history of it, and how it works, but also how we use that information to predict the future and even advance our technology. So, Thomas, can you talk a little bit about the tools that we use? Like, what what are we doing? What kind of uh, evolutionary kind of uh, leaps are we making in technology in order to help us predict what's going on here? So the the technology um, really isn't that that. Um, complex or, or, or state-of-the-art, um, mostly what we use are, are seismic stations. So um, the, the kind of technology that goes into to a seismograph is, is 
is it's slightly sim- different. It's, it's, it's simple. You're just me- measuring vibrations. Yeah, you're, you're measuring vibrations in the earth, and you have a instrument that detects those vibrations and then records it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, Anurban, you could probably you could probably comment on this, but when we think of, of seismographs, we think of of you know the spooling seismogram. That's being that has a needle bouncing yeah, yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do they still use that, or is it, or is it some kind of? I mean, there has to be a charting, but I don't think the paper thing happens anymore. Just like a, you don't when people think about, oh, I'm observing, meaning I'm going out to the telescope, putting my eyepiece and standing in the cold. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't happen anymore. You you can pretty much sit in a comfortable room and con- control it with the computer. Yeah. Here, everything goes into a computer. You're not going because it's not sensitive enough. And when Conley was talking about the advancements. So where we are making it, we are trying to get, we are trying to make it really sensitive, because and so that we can pick up that the slightest vibration that is going to come, mm-hmm. because deeper it is, right? The vibration as it co- comes up to the surface is going to lose power. So the deepest ones are going to create the uh, smallest vibration. Mm-hmm. So we want to do that. Understand where is it? Kind of like is it just is just is it small vibration? Or is it like a deep vibration coming in? So yeah. you want to see that. So that's where the major thing is. And if you can figure out the deeper vibrations are increasing, uh, the number of frequencies there is increasing, so then you know the geologic activities. Yeah. I need you, I need you to come into my physical geology so, class and lecture when I talk about that sort of thing. What we are doing is not actually changing a whole lot of new science. What we are trying to get is we are making these instruments better. Mm-hmm. Right. You're getting better and better instruments to get the data. And that leads to better science. Yeah. So... It's kind of that. So where you, the and where the real precision and technological advancements come in when it comes to monitoring earthquakes mm-hmm. are in satellites and and GPS. Oh, okay. Um, because you know we think of GPS as what we got on our phone or our little GPS unit that's accurate down to um, you know a few inches or a foot or two. The the GPS that they use to monitor um, earthquakes and 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 volcanoes is so accurate that um, if the ground surface shifts just a tiny bit, they'll be able to detect that um, through through satellites. The change in position. We can do this with plate tectonics too. We can monitor the change in position of static points on the on the Earth, and determine what direction the plates are moving. Um, so that's really where the technology is. And uh, Yellowstone is a great example of that. And this is something you can monitor yourself. I think. Way back when the pandemic started, we might have talked about this when we talked about science things you can do at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the USGS has a website that you can go to, yep. and you can monitor actively uh, earthquakes and volcanoes. And report uh, on them and add to the data. Well, right? no, you, the, the, the people don't report on this because the scientists are con- constantly monitoring. Oh. It's just a, it's a, it's a, a public interface where, where the public can go and actually see these earthquake clusters that are that are being hyped up on the news they can see which volcanoes are are being monitored um, there are volcano warnings um, if you look at the Aleutian Islands which is super active um, that's where you start seeing like red alerts for volcanoes about to erupt uh, luckily there's no one really living out there so um, and you can monitor Rainier St. Helens, all these places that are still active volcanoes that aren't a real present danger. Um, And you can monitor Yellowstone. You can zoom into Yellowstone, and it'll show you the the intensity, the magnitude 
of earthquakes that are happening in real time. Um, it'll show you the, the surface monitoring stations, how they're moving. Um, so it's a really cool resource. Um, not if you're if you're super terrified of of a volcano erupting, <laughs> but if you're interested in in kind of seeing the same sort of data that that a Science, seismologist, yeah. a scientist is looking at, um, you can go and 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 check it out and watch it in real time. It's fun. Yeah, and, yeah, no, and that's great. And and uh, these seismometers also like we have send them to Mars and Moon, right? In order to study mm -hmm. the stuff there, like this is the same thing. You have st we are studying. Uh, seismic activities yeah. in moon and mars so uh these it's not just we are using this for you know uh, something uh just for uh, on earth mm -hmm. and another thing i would like to point out is uh when people are saying okay that's one the human thing but not every human thing like they would like to monetize it right mm -hmm. the monetization comes in insurance companies want to know yeah yeah exactly they want to know because mm -hmm. if they want to, because they want to figure out when they want to stop giving you insurance. Because <laughs> if the volcano is going to bur like happen, in the prediction is within like four weeks, and you want to buy a house in th like two weeks yeah. before or your, happen, your yeah. insurance rate, yeah, yeah, your insurance. Yeah, there really yeah. is a practical so, application to it, especially with with earthquakes. Yeah, with, those, with any kind of of, of geologic hazard, um, like the West Coast, California, people I mean, who build their houses on 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 unstable. Uh, sediments on the coast it's like man their insurance must be through the roof and, yeah and, and also like it, these technologies right this vibrations right allows us to build sky skyscrapers in places like tokyo mm -hmm. like this allows us like to mm. if you don't know how to challenges and how much it can happen and then you build big houses yeah. there so yeah and yeah. it's it's not it's not necessarily rooted or its origins aren't in that sort of practical purpose but it, yeah. it all goes back to trying to mitigate and, and and trying to monitor these major geologic hazards like volcanoes because we want to know when they're going to happen um and we want to be able to 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 at least tell well enough advance that and, some yeah, people for can sure. get away. and you know what the world is transitory much like a teenager's face and i was <laughs> and um, give it up no Connor. give it up Polly. <laughs> not happening US usgs.gov is the website you can go to and you can actually see the mars 2020 mission uh geology you mm -hmm. can also look at earthquake early warnings in oregon and washington mm -hmm. you can get a map of uh the southern pacific ocean earthquakes and there's also an article on here about the invasive zebra mussels found in pet stores sweet yeah yeah the the, the, <laughs> the u.s that out there the usgs and the usgs website is one of the number one resources that we have uh here in in the u.s uh the web you can go on the website and just those few things that, that you listed off conley you can do that but uh, also on the usgs website you can get just about any topographic map any a lot of geologic maps that have been published over the past you know 100 years yeah it's really incredible an incredible resource wow um yeah and uh, uh topographic maps helps for if you are like serious hiker and stuff like that yeah. and you want to study the land and stuff. yeah or if you just want to yeah. go casually out and do some some <laughs> geologic mapping yeah 
map out I some structures. I love those maps. I love yeah. them. I, I, you can download them and they're publication quality. So you can actually, if you can find a printer, you can have them Those big out. printers, you have to yeah. get them yeah. printed yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. Can you cure hair loss by looking at that enough? Uh, top Topographic maps? The Conley's just trying to trying to make comparisons to Some random thing. Yeah. I'm trying to bring it back to teenagers. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> you also try to say volcanoes are the reason we have rock golems, so, which is I didn't yeah. really understand. You never asked about Atlantis, yeah. though. Yeah. Yeah, Atlantis. I wanted really. You know what? Hey, we we have a little bit of time. We left. have a little bit of time. Okay, so okay, every... what wiped out Atlantis? Because I know Plato got the story from an Egyptian. Yeah, and passed it along about Atlantis. So nobody. First of all, uh, you want to say, is it even? Did Atlantis really even exist? So is that? Yeah, and there were that it yeah. Did there exist? were mermaid people and everything. Yeah. But, <laughs> no, the one of the the legends as to how it, Atlantis disappeared was not that it was swallowed by the ocean, but that it was destroyed by a volcano, which yeah. to me seems more realistic, especially considering the region. And um, it, there's an actual volcano, Mount Thera, mm-hmm. um, which they think is the the culprit that that if there was an Atlantis, that it was basically covered by pyroclastic material and disappeared under that Mm. um which it it, it's totally possible whether or not it was some like technologically advanced you know civilization probably not but um like if we look at pompeii and herculaneum um it took years for archaeologists to to excavate those those cities out of the the ash Mm -hmm. because they were overtaken by just these enormous pyroclastic flows yeah, that's why you have those mummies. You know those ash mummies where people are are frozen sure. in, yeah. in in terror, where they're grasping their their, their loved child. Ones, yeah, um, because they were overtaken so quickly, and it buried them under feet of several feet. I mean, feet this of ash. is the original nuclear explosion, the mushroom cloud, and everything. Yeah. I mean, this is basically the the. F- I mean, the processes are di- different. The science is different. How they the energy comes out. What I'm trying to say is like, if you want to see what kind of effect uh, like a, a, a nuclear explosion can happen mm-hmm. uh, uh, like uh, Pompeii, Pompeii and like that's instant. It's instantaneous. Yeah. This and death they, is they, instantaneous. they did not know what to do either. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. The, the journey to the center of the earth, Iceland has so many volcanoes because it's another divergent plate boundary. It's the mid Atlantic Ridge cut straight through Iceland. So um, yeah, there's some more recent, uh, Fiction there and journey to the center of the earth, um, but it's one. I think journey to the center of the earth pretty much is the most famous one. Yeah, right. Like anybody yeah. knows that's a that's glorious where, yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. Every 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 eight year old should read that book. <laughs> yes, I agree. And every every forty year old should read it again. <laughs> okay. All right. Anything we want to wrap up with, uh, so I can actually like stitch this together into a show. Why don't we Why don't we say um, good luck to the people of St. Vincent and yes. hope hope for the best for them. Uh, hope everything works out, and that they can get home and uh, get uh, get through it safely. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Good luck, everybody in St. Vincent and Otterbon. That is in the uh, where is it? It's uh, it's close to Barbados or yeah, in the Caribbean. Caribbean. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, good luck to them. We'll see you all next week on Science Nights in the Morning. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Science Nights in the Morning. Be sure and follow us on Patreon for exclusive gear and uncut episodes. Check out the latest science articles on our Facebook page and subscribe to us on YouTube and your favorite podcast listening app. You can also listen every Saturday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time at BigBenRadio.com. And if you got a question, we'll join the discussion. Hit the hotline at 432-217-1983 and record your message. We couldn't do this without you, and thank you so much for listening each and every week. That's Science Nights in the Morning with a K, and we'll see you next time.